You may be seated. And before we get to our special feature for today, uh, again, get your bulletin in the back. We've got some announcements here. Um, in terms of our giving, everything has been great. The Lord has continued to sustain us even through these COVID times. If you look in the back, there's a board there that shows our missions giving. We've just updated it. We gave over seven, almost $7,000 last month to missions. And we even were able to complete our project number nine, which was to put a church roof on a, uh, on a church in Jacksonville, North Carolina. So congratulations to that. Thank you all for giving. If you want to, you can use the red-lettered envelope to go ahead and start giving to our next project, project number 10. It hasn't yet been announced. It hasn't yet been determined, but uh, I'm sure Pastor will have something in store for us soon. So you can get ahead of that and start giving to project number 10. You can get your days of praise and acts of facts as you leave today, and those are available to you. If you haven't yet seen our From the Shepherd to the Sheep daily devotionals, you can go onto our YouTube page and watch them. They air every morning at 6 a.m., and today is the first uh, devotional for the month of August. And if you've watched it, you'll see that there's a new special feature, and it's going to be released here in about an hour, but it's called My Take on Your Favorite Songs. And it's not my take, it's Pastor's take. What he does is he takes songs that may be your favorite ones, such as Just As I Am, uh, How Great Thou Art, Amazing Grace, and he puts them to his own arrangement, and then he shares them with you along with a devotional. So don't miss that, our new feature for the month. Our next Bible Institute session will be Saturday, September 11th at 3 p.m. It's going to be all online. It's going to be free and available to you. It's uh, about a three-hour session, 1601. It's our new uh, Bible Institute year, session 1601. So make sure that you join us and encourage others to join us as well. And then finally, we are very thankful for those who came out yesterday and helped us clean and get ready for the day today. Thank you, men, for coming out. We do that every, every Saturday, and we're going to have some special work days coming up here soon where we're going to be actually going into the third floor and the fellowship hall downstairs and opening things up down there. So we're going to need to clean things up and get things repaired. That's all my announcements today. So now on to your special feature for today. We're very blessed and very thankful to have a man come in and preach for you today. And I hope that you will hear uh, what he has to say. Open up our ears, open up our hearts, and allow the Lord to work through us personally as Brother Gabe uh, comes to preach to us. Brother Gabe is the founder and director of Jew 22 Ministries, and he helps with uh, people who are under sexual addiction and sin. And Brother Gabe, will you come now and preach for us? Thank, thank you, sir. Tyler. Thank you, thank you, thank you. When he said special feature, I was looking around. I wondered, what am I missing here? What's going on? Uh, I thought I was on deck for today, and he said special feature, and there's nothing special about this feature. So I apologize in the beginning, but we're going to have a great time right now in the Word of God. The theme or the topic today is blessings. And blessings come in all shapes, forms, circumstances. What is a blessing to one may be a trial to another. And I want us to see this morning that whether it's trial or blessing, temptation, so whatever circumstance, we as children of God, we as born again men and women in Jesus Christ, we ought to have an attitude of worship. 
an attitude of praise. Now, I fought hard this week to not get on a hobby horse. First of all, the hobby horse would have to be really big. Don't say amen, brother. And I, I, but you know, this topic of worship and praise is just beat up, misunderstood, I dare say abused for the lack of a proper understanding of the Word of God. But that's not what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to take you to a Jewish service. God's chosen people. He had a covenant relationship with Israel. And the book of Psalms is just one tremendous song book. This morning, I want you to take your Bibles and open them to the book of Psalms, and we're going to look at Psalm 136. Psalm 136. Now, as you're getting there, I will just tell you right up front, we're going to do something different this morning. I know, some of you are smiling, and that's not a good smile. It's a wry grin of, okay, what's this guy up to this morning? Well, you know, every now and then, it's good to play fruit basket upset. Okay, you can talk to me about that later. But, you know, just a little variety. Variety is the spice of discipleship. You thought I was going to say life. That works also. But we're interested this morning in our discipleship. A disciple is a learner. And you are able to learn new things. Not me. What's the matter with you, Brother Gabe? Ah, Nothing's the matter with me. If you're here this morning and you're saying, I can't learn new things and I dare you to try to make me learn new things, you're the problem. See, I only come before you a couple times a year, so I can say what I want. You're the problem, but I say it to you in love. And when I have that attitude, I'm the problem. It's a mindset. As you know, I drive Uber. I've been doing that for over six years now, over 15,000 trips in that time. I get a lot of interesting characters. And this week, uh, though I didn't work all the hours I normally work, it was a real doozy. I had some very interesting clients that I'd rather not tell you about. But one particular client was talking to me about what is it like to drive for Uber? How many miles do you do a week? How how far have you gone? And all these questions. And we interacted. He had a a long trip. Uh, not, Not a real long trip, about 12 miles. And so we had time to converse. And it came to the topic of patience. And you know, you all need (laughs) patience in this traffic, wherever we are, Northern Virginia, DC, Maryland, wherever. And I commented to him, I really enjoy what I'm doing. I enjoy meeting people. In the midst of our conversation, I found out he was a Christian because he saw my, this was your life track, and asked me about it. 
And so as I was commenting about the driving and answering his questions, I said, really, it's about your state of mind. It's a mindset. You can throw your hands up in the air and complain about all the crazy drivers around you, and believe me, they are. I used to tell my now-grown children when I was teaching them how to drive, watch out for the dummies and try not to be one. Uh, now I say that to myself almost every day, watch out for the dummies and try not to be one. But it's about the state of mind. As we approach Psalm 136, this psalm has no title. It, the author is unknown to us. It doesn't explain the occasion on which this psalm was composed. What makes this psalm unique is that the second member of each of the 26 verses is the same phrase. Look at your Bibles. Look at the end of the first verse. This is a response. For his mercy endureth forever. Now, if we were to read all 26 verses, and we're not going to read them all together today, but I encourage you to go through the entire psalm, because this is known as the great Hallel psalm, the singing of which was a regular part of the observance of both the Jewish Passover and the New Year's celebration. It was also used in their daily, wait for it, worship. You mean we can worship other days than just Sunday? In the Sunday morning worship hour? Hello! Every day is as unto the Lord. Every day as his child, we ought to look to see his hand as he moves in and out of our lives, our circumstances, our family, our friends. We miss so much for the lack of a mindset, an attitude of worship. They used it in their daily worship. Now, the repetition of the theme is not tiresome. It's not, oh, I'm so bored, I wish you'd hurry up and get done. No. Again, mindset, who are you looking for this morning? Who do you want to see? What do you want to see him do in your life first? Start there, don't worry about the person in front, beside you, behind, whatever. Start right here. Use the word of God as the mirror to Contact your spiritual being and allow the Holy Spirit, who, if you're a Christian this morning, lives within you to communicate to you the deeper truths about the relationship, the special relationship he wants to have with you and with me. So the repetition of the theme is not tiresome. It says to us that the steadfast love of the Lord needs to be constantly before us. That the subject can never be exhausted. His kindness, his loyalty, his fidelity never, never 
fails. Circumstances lie to us. People lie to us. Our own spirit, human spirit, will lie to us. But God never fails. Now, in Psalm 136, this is where you're going to exercise. I'm going to let you remain seated. But if you don't respond loudly, clearly, so that they get it on camera, and you out there, you have your Bibles, you can respond as well. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. I'm going to read the first part, and you, in your voices of worship, in your voices of praise, you get to respond. His mercy endureth forever. At the end of each of the first 12 verses. Don't have, I'm not going to do it attitude. Enjoy yourself in the Lord this morning and see what he'll do for you, through you, because of you. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone doeth great wonders. To him that by wisdom made the heavens. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters. To him that made great lights. The sun to rule by day. The moon and stars to rule by night. To him that made Egypt in their firstborn. And brought out Israel from among them. With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm. Father, we thank you this morning for the reading of your word. And Lord, we pray that you'd open our minds and hearts that we might see the God of Israel today in all of his glory and love and kindness. We want to open our minds and hearts to you through your word, that you might teach us, that you might encourage us, that you might strengthen us, and that we might, Father, to your glory, be the men and the women that you want us to be. If there be any here today who do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Lord, it's my prayer, Lord, that this will be a day of salvation for them. We ask you to relieve the burdens that we may have come in this morning bearing upon our shoulders, that we might transfer them to the shoulders of our burden bearer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, encourage your people today. Help us in our worship, for we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You did good. Amen. You know, about halfway through, I thought you were going to swan on me. But uh, you, you understand, when the first time you're doing something, it, it takes some practice. But can you imagine the children of Israel on the special occasion of the Passover, special occasion of the New Year celebration, the, the daily in the household coming together and, and using this psalm and others as worship 
and praising the Lord. The general idea in Psalm 136 is that all of these acts of God, even though it seemed to be a display of power or of justice or of severity or, or of wrath, it was in fact an illustration of the mercy, the mercy of God. Psalm 136 goes through 26 verses, and it, the author speaks to the historical acts of God on behalf of the children of Israel. And this laid a foundation for praise. Now, let me give you a quick overview of this psalm. The thought moves from a call to worship. That's verses 1 through 3. 1 through 3 is a call to worship. To the praise of the covenant God who created all things. That's verses 4 through 9. As he is uplifted, extolled, exalted in their eyes for all of his creative works. To the praise of the covenant God who redeemed his people from Egypt. And we, we know that story. And he gave them the promised land in verses 10 through 25. And then when he comes to verse 26, he concludes with a repetition. A repetition of the call to worship. Now, I had us do the responsive reading, because if you don't get anything else out of the message today, I want you to remember this one thing. For his mercy endureth forever. Regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the situation, regardless of how you feel on a particular day, and we don't always feel, oh, hallelujah. No, we're not always there. But we can be when we stop and take an upward look, take a look into the word, and allow him to be our focus. Two points, basically, this morning. The first is the call to worship. We are called this morning to worship a holy God. I think verses 1 through 3 give us a threefold call to worship. We're exhorted in verse, in verse 1, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. In verse 2, Oh, give thanks to the God of gods. And in verse 3, Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. In this exhortation, we learn that we are to worship the Lord, that is, Yahweh, the personal God of Israel. Turn to Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, it's a familiar verse. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Don't you like that? No identity crisis with God. He doesn't want an identity crisis for his people. He doesn't want his people wondering, who is this? He makes it very clear. I am that I am. And he said, thou thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Crystal clear instructions 
personally from God to Moses. Look at Exodus chapter 20. Chapter 20 and verse 3. He is also the God of gods. There are no other gods before him. Exodus 20 and verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Well, again, there are hobby horses all over me this week. <laughs> and there's another one. We could talk about idols. But I want to stay true to this theme of worship. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. He's also the Lord of lords. There is no other dominion. There is no other authority above him. In the fullness of God's revelation in his son, we have a very rigorous monotheism. Look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verses 4 through 6. In 1 Corinthians Chapter 8, verses 4 through 6, Paul stated it this way, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. Do we really know that this morning? Rhetorical question. I trust that we do. But each one individually must always take inventory to make sure we haven't allowed the smallest idol to supersede the place of God in our lives. And again, idols take on many forms. We know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Woo! That should get you excited. We in Jesus Christ. No one superior. No one stronger. No one loves you more than Jesus Christ. July 26, 2012, a gentleman received divorce papers. He was very distraught, very upset. He had been dotting his I's, crossing his T's, praying, trying to do everything that he could to restore and reconcile. But the papers came, and at the lowest ebb, he left the apartment that he shared with two other men. And he drove to a bridge over Interstate 75. The intent was clear. He failed. He had no desire to see another sunrise. He parked the car off the side of the road. He went to the sidewalk to cross the bridge. And God. Ten foot high fence from one side of the interstate to the other side of the interstate. He wasn't going to jump from that bridge 
But he was determined, depressed, disobedient, thinking he was all alone. He drove to a county road to a second bridge. It's a poor state. Certainly they're not going to have these fences on a county road bridge. Parked the car off to the side. Began to walk. And there was a fence. From side to side. He drove around for hours. Phone kept ringing. Text message after text message. Where are you? What are you doing? We're concerned for you. Da 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 da. Finally, he went back to the apartment. Roommates out of their mind with fear and care. A knock came to the door. And there was the state police. The roommates, not knowing what to do, called the state police. One of the two officers was a Christian. He asked, are you Mr. Rivera? Yes, I am. Tell me your story. He not only did not arrest me, he prayed with me and said, you've got some good friends here. And he left. His mercy endureth forever. Even when we don't want it or think we don't want it, he never stops caring and watching out for us. But why? Why are we to worship this God? The answer is not merely because he exists. That would be sufficient. We are to worship him because he has revealed himself to us as worthy. He is worthy of your worship. He is worthy of my worship. He is good. That is, he is perfect and brings all things to his perfection. But this is not the bottom line. Even more than his goodness is his mercy. His covenant love. And it endureth forever. He is the God who commits himself unconditionally to his people. And he never, never abandons that commitment. Endures. Think about that word. Endures means to suffer patiently. You know, we like to think we're enduring. Oh, really? Something happens. An immediate response. Well, I can't believe it! Is that suffering patiently? Suffer. It may even be painful. It may be difficult. You know, when I 
thought of this word and was reviewing it this week. How often I have made my God to suffer patiently. Something that was painful to him. And in a realm that I can't fully comprehend, difficult for him. Because he loves me so much. He loves you so much. And he didn't, with a snap of his fingers, snuff out our life or discipline us in a harsh way. Patiently, his love continued. We change. The world changes, but God endures forever. And his love never fails toward us. No wonder that we are to worship this God. But how are we to understand his mercy? I think the answer is given by surveying God's power in creation. In the created world where we live, God commits himself to us. The God who spoke the world into being is the God who wants to hold your hand. To remind you that though you think you're alone, you're not. He is ever present. That's the call to worship. The second point would be the cause or worship. And we read verses 4 through 12 because verse 4 introduces us to a summary of the cause or the reason for worship. The great wonders are issued from God's loyal love. You know, it is of utmost importance for the Bible that the God of redemption is also the God of creation. You see, it's from his throne that he brings all things into being. He creates us. He addresses his court, which consists of the holy angels gathered around him. This explains why he says in the plural in Genesis 1.27, let us... God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image. And since he is the creator, when he redeems us, he's not redeeming us from creation. He is redeeming us as his fallen creation. This is the context which you need to understand verses 4 through 9. Beyond creation stands the fall, sin, Satan, and death in this world. But God intervenes to bring us back to himself. And this is evident in this great psalm, in his relationship, in his working day by day with the children of Israel. His chosen 
people. As you go down through the 26 verses, you see phrases like, with a strong hand. He is the creator, the warrior king. It is he, in verse 13, who divided the Red Sea and allowed Israel to pass through, in verse 14. It is he who overthrew, literally shook off, Pharaoh and his army, in verse 15. Our God is a God of redemption and judgment. As he executes his wrath upon our enemies, he is faithful to his covenant to deliver us and to keep us. His hand in your hand. His hand in my hand, as revealed in his word. You know, in Christ, we have much to add to this chapter of praise. We can add that God sent his son for his mercy endureth forever. He sent his son to redeem us from our sins for his mercy endureth forever. With this, the revelation of God's covenant faithfulness is complete. This is the tie that binds for eternity. When we get to the end of this chapter, in verses 23 through 25, the author just gives a, a summary of the God of the covenant. You see, throughout this, he wants us to see God. He wants us to see God in his power and creation. He wants us to see the redeeming love of God in the person of Jesus Christ. He sent us a Savior who rescues us from our enemies. He feeds us. You know, when you look at chapter 6 in the Gospel of John, you see that over and over again, how God the Father through his Son feeds us and takes care of us. We can join heartily in the refrain, his mercy endureth forever. I, I challenge you this morning to sometime this afternoon or this week, just take a sheet of paper, a pen or a pencil, and begin to record the mercies of God in your life. And may they ever be fresh upon your mind and your heart. In verse 26, he repeats himself. See, all repetition is not bad. He repeats the extended call to worship with what this psalm opened. He says in verse 26, Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. Give thanks. He's a personal God. He is a supreme God. And he is the God of heaven. Exalted, eternal, our thanks to this God, to this creator, this redeemer, 
is more than appropriate. Not just on a Sunday morning worship service, but every day of our lives. We take him too much for granted. Constant awareness of his personal greatness and his ceaseless mercy would cause us to give thanks to him more and more. You know, we can wait for God to give us a kick in the teeth, or we can do it voluntarily. I'm so thankful for his patience. So thankful that he endures. You know, the last time I had an opportunity to be in this pulpit was on a Wednesday night, and I had not, I was still very early in my recovery from COVID, and I told you, I'm searching. Purpose. Then on June 25th, I had my first face-to-face -face meeting with my doctor. We discussed a lot of things, the medications that I'd taken, how I was recovering, where was, where was I in my recovery, what is the future going to hold, and he targeted August 1st. Uh, I find great irony in that, that he targeted this day, and this day I have the opportunity to stand before you. In that conversation, trying to convince me of some things. He said, uh, Gabe, uh, I want you to know something. I had three other patients, male, similar history, background, medical background, challenges, etc. When I began reviewing your case and was in contact with the other doctors, I didn't think you were going to live because those other three men all died. His mercy endureth forever. As I said that Wednesday night, it's one thing to have some of you say, man, I didn't think you were going to make it. You, you didn't look good. And it's quite another level to be in a room with your personal physician and have him tell you. He's not a believer. And he went through a lot of titles and adjectives before it finally could come out of his mouth. God kept you here for a reason. Worship. Praise. Regardless of situation and circumstance. His mercy endureth forever. And if you're here this morning and you don't know that, you can know it by knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to share the thought of your word from Psalm 136. Oh, what an example to us 
are the children of Israel. How they praised you, how they worshipped you. Father, I pray that you would work in our midst this morning to glorify yourself. Christian, as you seek your own heart and establish anew and afresh your relationship with Jesus Christ, take these quiet moments to come boldly into his presence. If you're here this morning and you're not sure if you were to die right now that you'd go to heaven or if Jesus Christ was to come right now that you'd be taken out of this world to be with him, you can know. All you need to do is admit that, like all of us, you have sinned, come short of the glory of God. To recognize that there's a wage, a payment for sin, and it's death and hell and eternal separation from God. And if you would, this morning, realize that you can have the eternal free gift from God, the gift of salvation, eternal life, he wants to be your God. He wants to take your hand. All you need to do is call on the Lord Jesus Christ. Admit that you're a sinner. Deserve that you... He paid for your sins and that you deserve to die. Believe that he died for you. If you were the only one on the face of the earth, he still would have died for you. Ask him the best you know how to take away your sin and take you to heaven when you die. If you do that this morning, he will be faithful to save you right where you are. Father, glorify yourself in our midst, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.